A couple of you came in today and you said, you asked me, said, uh, Craig, how was your week? And I said, I had a great week. And I actually, I did have a great week, but I lied just a little bit, but I didn't intend to. Because what I realized that was that this week, um, I've actually felt kind of antsy. You ever, anybody ever use that word? Antsy? I was feeling just a little kind of uneasy and a little bit of anxiety. And, uh, and I was trying to think, what in the world is that all about? Because everything was going pretty good. And then I realized what it was. Um, about 40 years ago, this was the time of year when I would suddenly realize that two-a-day football practices are just around the corner. Now, you wouldn't think, 40, that's 40 years ago. Courtney's going, I'm not even close to 40 years old, so I would have no idea. 40 years ago, about this time, I would start thinking, um, man, it's coming, and I hate it. I hated two-a-day football. I would spend the whole summer trying to get ready for two-a-day football practices, and then when they would start, by the way, you know what two-a-day football practices are, right? I was telling a friend of mine this weekend, I said, two-a-days, I was thinking about two-a-days, and she goes, well, what in the world is that? It's just what it sounds like. Two times a day, about the first week in August, generally, um, you'd have a, a practice early in the morning and in the evening, and as I said, I hated it. And I was never prepared. I would uh, come home from a practice. I would um, literally, my mom is here. Where's my mom at? We just shared this story. I, she just shared it yesterday. I would drive up to the back door. With our, I had a little uh, baby poop uh, colored. It's true. It was, it was kind of a mustardy yellow pinto. That's a Ford color. That's a Ford color, right. I'd drive right up to the back door, I would crawl into the house, to my bedroom, and I would just lay there until mom would say, Craig, time for the next practice, and I'd crawl right back out of bed, right, the car was still sitting at the back door, that's true, and I'd crawl back into the car and head, I hated it. Now you might be asking at this particular point, dummy, if you hated it that much, why did you do it, Right? Because nobody made me do two-day football practices. Did anybody ever make you, Tom? You never, nobody ever made you do it. So the question is, why would you do it if you hate it so much? <laughs> well, kind of, that's true. As much as I hated two-day football practices, I loved the games. Uh, and I knew that if I wanted to play in the games, and probably more importantly, that if we wanted, as a team, to succeed in the games... An essential ingredient to um, that success was two-day football practices. So you did it because you knew it was the right thing. It was a good thing to do. So what's that have to do with us? Well, every year, I try to do one or two uh, sermons on Christian financial stewardship. And I can't tell you that I, that I hate doing these sermons, but it's not necessarily something that I look forward to, and my guess is that a lot of you don't necessarily look forward to it either. But listen to me. We've been in the sermon series on what it means to be a disciple, right? To grow, to be more like Jesus. One of the essential ingredients to being, um, to living a successful life of discipleship is financial stewardship. So whether we like it or not, whether we want to hear whether we're inspired by this kind of stuff or not, we need it. 
in order to be the Christian, to be the church that God wants us to be. So today, as we continue in our sermon series on discipleship, um, we're going to focus on um, stewardship, specifically uh, related to tithing. And um, in so doing, um, I can promise you today, if you'll listen, um, and if you'll apply it to your life, you will look more and more like Jesus to the world than you ever have before, okay? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up to Malachi chapter 3, and as you're doing that, as I try to do every week, I'll give you a little uh, history and context so that you understand what we're going to say and get the most out of the passage today. Malachi, if if you've never read the book of Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. Actually, it's placed there, I believe, for a very strategic purpose. Because it, it, in a very real sense, is a transition between the Old Testament covenant and the New Testament covenant. Now, why is that, you ask? Well, if you've ever read the book of Malachi, you'll know that much of the theme or much of the message of the book of Malachi is the prophet standing up saying, Hey, everybody, listen to me. The king is coming. The Messiah is coming is on his way, and you need to be ready. You do not want to be caught flat-footed. Because if the Messiah comes and you're not ready, or if you're not anticipating him, you may miss him. And, of course, the the Jews, God's people, they had been hearing this for what seemed like eons, right? And they were going, oh yeah, here we go again. And they'd say, they said to him, "Uh, we're ready. We've heard the message before, we're ready Uh, What more could you possibly want us to do? And then Malachi looks at them and he says, you are not ready. And let me give you an example. And they said, okay, what's the example? And he says this. He says, you are robbing from God. And they had this look of, of what in the world are you talking about on their faces? And he said, Malachi chapter 3, he says, By withholding your tithes and offerings, you're robbing from God. And then he says this in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Hannah just read it for us. He said this. He was speaking as a vessel of God. So it's God speaking to the people. He says, bring your whole tithe into the storehouse of God. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out such blessings upon you that they flow out your windows and your doors. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring your whole tithe into the storehouse of God. Test me in this and see if I will not pour out such blessings upon you that they flow out your windows and your doors. Now I'm going to stop right there for just a second because um, I think we need to define the word tithe. T-I-T-H-E, tithe. Because that is not a word that our culture uses today. And the fact of the matter is, that's not typically a word that most churches use today. So what is a tithe? Well, basically, and when I say basic, I mean real basic. Because the fact of the matter is, there is nuance. And, and hopefully in one of these days when, I'm, when I have a little more time, I can give you some of the nuance of what the word tithe is. And there's a lot. But basically, if I were going to just take a moment today to describe it to you, a tithe is 10% of your possessions or your, your income. God is asking His people to give away. Um, now, 
Remember in the last few weeks, I've been kind of harping on this whole idea. Every time you read the Bible, you need to ask why. Well, this is a perfect example. When you read Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, about tithing, you should be asking why. Is it because God needs your money? God does not need your money. God owns everything. God is the one that gave you everything that you have. So do not think for a second that God needs your money. So why then would God ask His people to give away a portion of what He's given to them in the first place? All right, listen up real close because this is fundamental to Christian discipleship. We human beings really struggle with what and whom we should put our faith and trust in. You're saying, no way. Okay, remember. Remember the people Malachi was talking about? No way. I know what I'm doing. We're ready. Listen to me. Most Christians would say, um, for example, I know that money or possessions are not where ultimate happiness is going to be found. I know that. I know that money and possessions are things, they're here one moment and gone the next. I know that. Whereas God is eternal. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I know that. And God is the one that is worthy for me to put my faith and trust in. Here's the problem. God is intangible. Your stuff is tangible. You can go set in your car or you can take out your bank statement or your 401k and you can say, I can, that's something I can feel and touch. God? Not so much. So we struggle. I know what's right, but it's just, it's just hard. Right? Well, God created you. He knows humanity. He knows how hard it is. And he's not frustrated with you because you don't, it doesn't come easy necessarily. So what, what does God do? God gives us these, these spiritual disciplines that help us to get it right, to get it straight. God says, he was saying to his people here in Malachi, he says, um, tithe. I want you to give away 10% of what I've given to you. Why? To show God and to prove to yourself that you're getting this straight. I'm understanding. It's a struggle. But he says on a regular basis, that's what we should do. Because each time you give sacrificially, you are, you are letting God see and you're reminding yourself, my faith and my trust is in Jesus. My faith and my trust is in Jesus. Now, let's stop right there uh, to identify a couple of elephants that may have just came into the room. Now, I'm going to say... I say that, you know, I said that a few months ago, and people literally turned around to see if there was elephants coming into the room. I thought, you know, that's a pretty good reputation to have because people are so unsure of what I might actually do that they thought there might be elephants coming in the room. This is a proverbial elephant or elephants. Um, some of you, 
have sat and listened graciously to this message that I have shared with you today. And they're saying, Pastor, you're saying, some of you may be saying, Pastor, you ever heard the old saying, follow the money? Well, the fact of the matter is, a good portion of the money that you're asking us to give goes to pay your salary. And that's true. I'll give you that. If that's what you're thinking, I'll give you that. So, that being the case, if that's what you were thinking, you need to listen to me. And I mean this with every fiber of my being. If you're questioning my motivation for preaching this sermon, I would expect you never to put a dime in that little barn back there. By the way, I just took one of your excuses off the table for giving. And I mean it. If you question my motivation or the administrative board's motivation or the building committee for, for why we would preach a sermon like this or I, they'd have me preach a sermon like this, don't you dare give a dime to Prairie Bible Church. But you better darn well give. Where you give is between you and Jesus. You decide, if you're, questioning my, if, you think, if you're questioning whether or not my motivation is correct, you and Jesus, you sit down and say, Jesus, where do you want me to give? And then you do it. Not because Jesus needs the money, but because Jesus, he's trying to help you to grow to become the Christian that you were created to be. And part of you being the Christian that you were created to be is remembering that my, my faith and my trust should not be in my stuff. It needs to be in my Jesus. And part of remembering that is giving, giving it away. So, okay, you know what? I know, I'm remembering. Put that check in the barn back there or wherever you decide to give it, I remember. All right, others of you sitting back there, okay, okay, I get it, I need to give. But what about this, this whole issue of tithing? It's Old Testament, right? Did you know that, that no place in the New Testament is the word tithe found? Did you know that? Now, a lot of pastors don't, when they find the courage to actually preach on tithing, they don't tell you that it's not found in the New Testament because they don't want to discourage you from doing that. Well, I just told you it's not in the New Testament. Some of you are sent by saying, we are not under the old covenant, which is true. We, if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the covenant has been fulfilled because, through Jesus. And your direction, we get aspiration from Old Testament and history, and we get practic practicality from New Testament, application from New Testament. And if the New Testament doesn't teach tithing, then I'm not obligated. Listen to me. You're right. But be careful. Because if you're going to use the Bible to justify behavior, you know what the New Testament says? If you read it real close, what you'll discover is that you're under no obligation to tithe, but, but what Jesus wants from you is everything. Careful what you ask for. Really what he's saying is, is that he says, you're, you're free. But you're, all, you're free to give me everything that you are. 
And there, for some of us, really what it, the reason why anybody, any Christian preaches on tithing is because it's just kind of a place to begin. It gives us an, a, kind of a fulcrum upon which to say, all right, because there may become a day where God will say to you, I expect you to give far more sacrificially than a tithe. And for others, depending on the season you may find yourself in, you may, he may say, don't give anything. Because God doesn't need your money. What God wants is your heart. Does that make sense? And as, and as soon as he has your heart, all the rest of the stuff falls into place. All that other stuff that we have a tendency to get all, all worked up over, as soon as he has your heart, the rest of it falls into place.